Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Asians Talking Puck. I'm your host, Ahan Seberwal, joined by my co-host, Josiah Chen. And uh, we're excited to be back. We're excited to be talking and getting more of a regular schedule in, trying to get, I think, two episodes a month. This is, is a nice starting place. Um, and I'll throw it over to Josiah to, to, to start us off and say hi. Hello. Yeah, um, it has been, I think, about two weeks since our last episode, so... Not too long. Uh, we've been on longer breaks, but yeah, like Ahan said, I think we're going to try and get episodes out once every other week or about twice a month. Um, that's the hope. Uh, so we're going to do our best. Uh, we might we might not uh, be able to fully stick to that, but we're that's what we're aiming for. Um, so for this episode, uh, we've got a few things we're going to cover throughout the NHL. We're going to start out uh with some trades that happened and then we're going to move on to a lot that's been going on with the vancouver canucks uh regarding their head coach some of their top players all that and then we'll wrap up with uh quite an inspiring story from last night so yeah. uh let's start out with that trade it's been f- fairly quiet on the nhl trade front so far definitely um, but we did have a fairly somewhat notable trade uh, involving the what was it the Sharks and the Avalanche? Am I right? Indeed, those? my team and uh, the the Sharks, and it happened to involve a player who has been jumping back and forth between our teams uh, for a while. So yeah. the Avs sent over Martin Kaut and Jacob McDonald. In return for in return for Matt Nieto and Ryan Merkley, um, so Nieto has been with so many different teams, um, and by so many different teams, I mean he's been with the Avs and the Sharks. I feel like for the last ten years, um, in all honesty, um, and he's generally a depth guy. He's a guy who's going to get you probably twenty to thirty points every year somewhere in that range, really good yeah. energy, really good at forechecking. He started his career in San Jose, came out to Colorado for the 2016-17 season, stuck with us to the bubble year, and then 2020-2021, he had back to San Jose. And then we grabbed him uh, this year. Um, I think he's a huge depth guy who's so important. Great forechecker, can penalty kill really nicely. And with the abs sort of injured all the time, having an extra body is always useful. Um, Jacob McDonald um, is one of the guys we sent back the other way. He's a veteran AHL defenseman, a guy who can certainly step in and be a 7th D, 6th D in an NHL team. Excuse the voice crack there. That's not enough water today. That's brutal for me. I'm sorry. Um, good player. Um, he's really going to help um, just with your depth. He's just a depth guy who's so critical, who when injuries hit you want a solid 70 who can move the puck get it out of the zone off the glass and out and can skate jacob mcdonald's not a slow guy he can really skate and uh, he can play in the ahl when you need him to so he's just a great depth guy two interesting pieces i think um are martin cat and ryan merkley i think the avs won this trade because the value uh nieto's better than mcdonald if we're looking at the guys who have been in the nhl and cat and merkley are the interesting ones uh, Martin Kaut was a 2018 first round draft pick by the Colorado Avalanche, who has never really petered out. He's struggled 
um, to, to just provide solid production in the NHL. He's too good for the AHL. He's dominant down there. But in the NHL, he's just not able to really find his ground with the Avs. And so they figured it's time to move on from him, give him a change of scenery. Ryan Merkley was a very talented defenseman, and he was considered among the most talented defensemen in his entire draft class. Um, and he's come over, and he's had discipline issues throughout his career. He requested a trade in, in the WHL. Um, he was just very aggressive. He would like slash guys get into suspensions. Um, when he was in the AHL, there were some questions about his discipline and his and whatnot. And uh, he uh, requested a trade, and, and he's in this package. And I think it's a it's a small trade, but I think it could have big impact if. Um, if Mark Lee begins to share the potential because he was drafted to be uh, a top end a def- uh, top end offensive defenseman. So that's my thoughts. I know kind of rambled there. So uh, why don't you take a, take a stab at what you think of it? Yeah, no, no worries. Um, I actually largely agree with you. I do think the abs won this trade as well. Um, but I mean, I think, I think both teams are getting things that they need in this trade. So even though it's kind of like a, um, more of a depth guy type of trade. I I think both teams benefit from this fairly well. Uh, But yeah, I'd have to say I give the advantage here to the Avs. Yeah, just looking, uh, Ryan Merkley, um, he was drafted very high. First round, 21st overall in 2018. And uh, Martin Kau was also drafted in that same year. And and I think he was 16th overall that that year. So um, it's kind of interesting. Two guys that uh, never really have made it in the NHL yet. Kyle had a really strong start with the Avs when he debuted a couple years ago. He just kind of struggled to find that magic. Um, but he, he does, definitely has an NHL-level game. He just doesn't quite have... Um, he, doesn't, he hasn't quite found the offensive production needed um, to, to be a solid NHL player, and he, and he hasn't found the consistency. And he's, he's had the opportunities. This year, they gave him the opportunities, unlike years past, and, and it hasn't worked out. But I'm hoping Ryan Merkley can can uh, work out. If, if I was the Sharks, though, I'm surprised they moved Ryan Merkley. He's so young. Um, I feel like they could have stuck with him longer because they're not in a contending position where they need to mortgage the, the future. They need to be building towards the future. So I thought it was just kind of odd that they gave up a 22-year-old I guess they think that his value is going to vanish pretty soon, but uh, I don't see Martin Cout having more value than Ryan Merkley. I kind of have him with less value, but uh, I guess it's because he's played in the NHL consistently for a year now. So they think, oh, maybe he can be a starter for us, but we'll see. I don't know. Two guys who are very unpredictable, very hard to very hard to find them because they don't have an established game yet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That is a little odd training such a young guy from the Sharks perspective. Um, but I guess management has something planned out, I suppose. <laughs> sure, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, these guys are gambling all the time. And and in all honesty, I'm kind of uneducated on both the players, Ryan Merkley and Martin Cow. I watch the abs and stuff, but Martin Cow just isn't a guy who sticks out who I'm looking at their game every night. Maybe I should, but... um. That's why I feel like Matt Nieto, Jacob McDonald, I'll take Matt Nieto over Jacob McDonald for sure. Merkley for Cout. All right, I guess. Like, <laughs> I guess that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that happens with a lot of depth trades is like 
because we're not watching every player and it's like, you know, fourth liner for fourth liner. It's like, oh, well, sure. Right. Um, Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but it's crazy. Like, especially watching like hurricanes playoff games the last few years, it's, you see how much depth like really, really matters and how important your fourth liners can be sometimes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I'm not, as educated on the two of these guys, even though I feel like I probably should be. <laughs> I mean, it is a Western Conference trade. You're not a Western Conference guy. That is that is also so, true. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of really important pieces of depth in an organization, the front office has to be good. The coaching has to be good. Yeah. And that is true. everything that could go wrong with coaching has gone wrong in Vancouver over the last couple <laughs> of years. So why don't you why don't you intro that mess of a situation? Yeah. Um, so Vancouver head coach Bruce Bordreau, um, is he's officially fired now, right? Yes, he's officially. But it like what I think what happened because it's very confusing. But I believe what happened is that basically the news that he was going to be fired broke before he was fired. So he ended up coaching a game. Right, a couple, of games, I, a couple yeah, of games, a few games, and yeah, I I can't. I'm a like, what is that like from Bourdieu's perspective? And B, how how did the Canucks left that out? Yeah, I mean, it's a ridiculous <laughs> situation. Firstly, they've had a slew of coaches over the last couple of years. I think Travis Green that that was their coach before this, right? Yes, there was, and mm-hmm. he's still on the books. Bruce Bourdieu going to be on the books. Um, they're still paying both of them. And my understanding is the Canucks obviously have struggled for the last two years deeply after they, after the bubble. And so yeah. they've been testing around trying to find new coaches. And since Rick Tockett is available, the Canucks were talking to him and Jim Rutherford openly talked about how he wasn't happy with the coaching, how he wasn't happy with the, the team's play. And then he mentioned that, yeah, we've chatted with other people. And I guess insiders found out it was Rick Tockett pretty quickly. So everyone knew that's who it was. Bruce Boudreau knew who it was. And they're like, I believe Jim Rutherford said, yeah, he's, he's our coach today. Um, Bruce Boudreau is with us right now. I don't know in the future, but he's with us right now. And mm-hmm. we stand by him. Obviously a lie, just, just a flat out lie. They clearly were playing to fire him. Um, and so he's coaching and the fans love him and, and the players love him. And it's just heart-wrenching to see a guy who could be done with his career in the NHL coaching to, to go out this way, to be so blatantly disrespected um, and, and, and rejected. I mean, did you see any of the, like, the quotes from the players and stuff? I, I saw a few. I can't name any of them off the top of my head, but I, I did read through a few of them. Yeah. Yeah, the one that stuck out to me was the one from Andrew Cogliano who said this is a – player um sorry excuse me this is a coach who was instrumental in my development and so many amazing players who've gone on to win cups have talked about this and it's crazy because this is not some joe schmo coach with no legacy or history this is yeah. one of the most successful coaches in the national hockey league and not just now mm. in the history of it he's one of the winningest coaches in the regular season of all time yeah and uh it's tough to see that but uh mm-hmm. what did you think of um rick talkett as a hire do you think do you think he's got a chance? I think so. Um, because, I mean, he was in Arizona before this, right? Yeah. Um, so, and I remember watching Arizona, 
like the past few years before like before this year for the whole mullet arena shenanigans and everything and honestly i liked the way that arizona played under him i think they were very defensively minded um i remember a game specifically i want to say it was last year although i can't remember if it was under the rick tuckett area um but i remember i think hold on let me what what year did he leave the um i think Tuckett left uh sometime in the last year or so um because he, okay. he, he coached arizona through the bubble um yeah okay i just i want to make sure i have yeah. this right 2020 2021 was the last time that he coached the arizona coyotes Okay. And that was not, that was not the bubble season. That was just after the bubble season. That was when they had like the, uh, um, the 56 game season, the short season. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I guess the game I'm remembering was not under the, uh, was not under Rick Tuckett's leadership, but, um, just generally like, yeah, I, I think that Arizona did a fairly decent job of the culture that they created playing very defensive mindedly, even though they never had the talent to really compete. So, you know, Vancouver's got more talent than Arizona had those years ago. So who knows, maybe something will come of it. Um, if I remember correctly too, didn't Arizona like, weren't they on like the fringe of a playoff entrance? One yeah, of those they, years. Made, they made the playoffs in 2019-2020, beating Nashville to in the play-in round, and they yeah. got hosed by Colorado. Yeah, Just well, pretty much obliterated. like <laughs> pretty much every every team gets has been hosed by Colorado in the first round for the past big dubs. So many years. Yeah, I, um, I, swept I, the Preds, swept the Blues, and I think maybe it was four-one against Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I I heard I can't remember who I heard this from. I think it was some some YouTube channel, um, and they were saying it was talking about Nashville. But they're saying Nashville either needs to like build up and and actually become a contender, or just stop and rebuild because where Nashville stands right now is just being cannon fodder for like the abs year in and year out <laughs> over and over again. Oh, I like that. And I thought that was really funny. I always think Daryl Sutter's got funny quotes about the abs before the, yeah. game, which we, which we won. <laughs> he was like, yeah, Colorado was going to make the playoffs and they're probably going to be in the top three in their division. I, I saw that. Yeah. Every time that he says funny. it, it's usually true. And I think that just goes to show, I mean, the guys won a couple of Stanley cups. He would know what he's doing. Yeah. Um, Although so. surprisingly, and I think that's like the context for this quote is the avalanche aren't in a playoff spot or are, are... it's injured. We're in it now, but it, it's been injured. Okay. I mean, yeah, I know we talked about, about it, that last episode. Yeah, like Alanis Cog was out, McKinnon was out for a while, McCarr was out for a while, Nachushkin was out for a while, Lekkonen was out for a little bit, yeah. Evan Rodriguez was out for a bit, Manson's still out, Bo Byram's been out, Georgiev and Francois have both been out at different times, I think. Um, pretty much everyone has been injured who can be injured. Um, the the, yeah. the call-ups for the call-ups were injured. I mean, oh. um, so yeah, but uh, sticking with... Uh, coaching it's i don't you know i like talking as a guy and he was a great player don't get me wrong unbelievable player but i i don't know about coaching i mean 
I look at his record here. He had the 2008-2009 Tampa Bay Lightning and the 2009-2010 Lightning. Two playoffs missed. Um, of the four years he was in Arizona, they missed playoffs three times. I mean, yeah, that's a, not a great team that he had, but, you know. Yeah, and with the with the Lightning in 2009-10, I mean, they had Stamkos, but – or did they – yeah, Stamkos was – 2009, right? Yeah, so they, I think they, I think they had, they had like young, yeah, they had a coast. good team. Yeah, I guess that was that during the Vincent Lecavier, Martin St. Louis, um, St. Louis. Sorry. I think that might have been. I think, yeah, I think he was still there. I mean, I'll, I'll looking at it right now. I mean, I know Martin St. Louis retired. Not, I don't feel like super long ago. Although, I mean, they had, they had Stammer, they had Martin St. Louis, they had Lecavier. They had Ryan Malone, they had Alex Tangay, they had a young headman, they had they had a decent team. I mean, I look at it, they shouldn't have been as bad as they had. I mean, you look at the points totals. Um and Stammer had ninety-five, St. Louis had ninety-four, Le Cavalier with seventy, Ryan Malone with forty-seven, Steve Downey forty-six, Curtis Foster forty-two, Tangay had thirty-seven. I mean, they had a solid team and uh in net, they had, uh, oh, they had Ndimaki. We didn't even do that bad. He had a 909 and a 2.87. Like, they shouldn't have been as bad as they were, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. It, Definitely it, the Coyotes run. I don't know if you can uh, put that on him. No, Although, you can't put, you can't put the Coyotes' but... uh, struggles on him. Yeah. Tampa Bay. I mean, he hasn't. That's a loaded roster. His history and coaching is just not successful. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just lost more games than he's won. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got. So, I don't know, but his culture is good. And I think he thinks the game at a very high level. And he's a good mm-hmm. guy um, yeah. from everything that we see. So, I hope he does well, but he's going to get bullied. Like the Bruce, there it is, chance happening um, from other teams' uh, fans. Like, Everyone just sympathizes with the guy. And he's just this guy, Ruck Talkett. Like, he's in for a bender. He's just going to get bullied by the fans because they'll say, You shouldn't have fired Bruce Boudreau. Now we have this new guy, and it won't be Ruck Talkett's fault. He's just going to get, he's going to face it, all the blame. He's going to be a scapegoat for the management. Have you heard about the, the rumors behind the Canucks management and sort of what it's all about? I have not, actually. So apparently the GM, Jim Rutherford, is not a bad guy, and he's just apologized for being too vocal with his concerns and, and, and his struggles and whatnot, and the team struggles, and he's just kind of um, too, too chatty, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the real issue, though, apparently is in the owner, who's just a jerk, who's a mean guy, can't get along with anyone, and mm. that really the owner wanted Boost Boudreaux gone, and that Jim Rutherford's under immense stress, so he's getting too chatty, talking to the media too much, and he's not to blame. So that's the that's what the rumor mill is saying. But uh yeah, I mean that's that's definitely interesting. I mean, I will say cuz Jim Rutherford was the GM of the Hurricanes for a while in sort of the dead era, right? The we call them the uh the Hurricanes dark ages. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really see Rutherford as like a like a bad GM in that sense. Um, and because and then he went to the Penguins after I believe. Yeah, I didn't think he was that. Win. Yeah, I didn't think he was that bad or anything. Like, I mean, I think with the Hurricanes, he 
there were some bad decisions being made. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me to be honest, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, that's interesting to hear. Yeah, I, I wonder how much ownership plays a factor, right? Because the Pagulas are are evidence of how ownership can be terrible for a team. So I don't know. Yeah, I think that's something that's I think, cool to talk about. I think to be honest, it, it plays a ton. And I, the only reason I, I say that is because if you look at the Hurricanes, like going from Peter Carmonas Jr. to Tom Dundon, when Tom Dundon took over as the owner i mean he first of all he cleaned house almost like on the inside he got a new gm new head coach and like tom dundon was the one who pretty much like brought the hurricanes back to life um so i think i think ownership plays a huge role in it so like if that is truly the case i i would believe that that yeah rutherford is probably under a lot of pressure from the owner to do something so um yeah yeah, it, it's it's definitely an interesting conversation. Um, in regards to the Canucks, though, what do you think about their signings and, and sort of the direction they're going in and the whole trade rumor mill that's been sparked about practically every one of those players? Yeah. Um, so let's start with the big signing because there's a lot to unpack here with the Canucks. Um, so I'll start with what we, we firmly know. Andre Kuzmenko who came over from the KHL this year, I believe, um, recently signed a two-year $11 million extension with the Canucks. Um, he has He's played in 47 games and has 21 goals, 22 assists. Um, honestly, I really like that signing. Uh, it's, it's been really interesting to see more of these guys come in from the KHL uh like with Kaprizov a few years ago where they had developed in the KHL now they're coming over and becoming these big superstars here in the US and Canada. Um I, I like that signing. I think he's a great addition to the Canucks, but I also do wonder how how they're taking a look at the team as a whole because there's been a lot of trade rumors circulating with Brock Besser and Paul Horvat. Um Actually, the Hurricanes at one point, I believe, were potentially linked to Horvat or were considering him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm very confused at the direction of this Canucks team because I, I feel like they have enough pieces to where they could potentially be a playoff team. But then at the same time, they don't seem to be going in that direction. Absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, with the Kuzmenko signing. I like the money, 5-5, five, five, but I don't like yeah. the term. Like, why would you not try and get this guy for longer? Fine, he wants $6 million and you get him for five years instead. Like, I'll pay that money any day. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's worth every penny. He's probably better than what he's worth. I mean, he's like a point-per-game guy right now. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> 43 points in 48 games, not bad. Um, this guy's sick, and he's only 26. He's just in his prime. Um Yeah. And you there's do so have, many guys. Yeah, right? you do have to wonder, like, especially with these guys coming in from the KHL. I do wonder if, like, maybe he doesn't want to sign a long contract here in North America because maybe he's planning on going back to Russia at some point. That's true. I have to think that plays into it at least a little bit. I mean, um, maybe management wants to sign Kuzmenko to a short-term deal. That way, like, they can trade him 
Um, yeah. Because, you know, you don't want to trade for someone who you have no security with, who becomes a rental, yeah. especially when it's a young player. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they want to have a, a guy who there is a little bit more um, um, security in him and in his future. But there's other guys on this team, like Connor Garland, for the longest time, trade bait out of Arizona. I mean, like, what are they doing with him? Like, that's a that's a 26-year-old. Um, uh, Bo Horvat's still on time. Like, that is your captain. Why is JT Miller and Brock Besser signed, but your captain isn't? Yeah. That one I honestly don't understand because we all we know that the, you know, obviously the team loves Horvat, you know, and I have reason to believe that the coaching and management did before all of this. I don't know coaching wise now, but yeah, that's that's peculiar. And I, the other thing too is I feel like Horvat also has shown a lot of loyalty to the Canucks. For sure. So. Like, is it what's what's going on there? Is it money? Is it term? Like, I, I don't really know. Yeah, and beyond that, like, look at how he's playing. He's 54 points in 49 games, 31 goals. He's unbelievable right now. This yeah. is the type of guy that, like, if you sell him, that's a ton. Or if you keep him, like, leadership, like, pick one. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see what they're doing here. And there's... There, there's there's Peterson to consider. He's there. I mean, they acquired Oliver Ekman Larson to try and make the playoffs. They made all of these decisions. They got Ethan Bear. They have Luke Shen. I mean, those are a lot of guys. Luke Shen's also on the market. People want his depth. Um, so it is. Yeah. It is complex for them. And I mean, if I look I at think, Cap Friendly, guys are going to yeah. be on soon. So sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm just taking a look at Cap Friendly here. So let's let's think about. I want to actually approach from this angle. Let's think about kind of reverse it backwards. So currently the Canucks have no cap space. Their projected cap hit is 86, almost 87, pretty much million with LTIR used pretty much four and a half. So they're, yeah. they're at the ceiling. And currently this season, Bo Horvat is making five, five with his production. And with the way the market is going up, I, I have to think he's going to value himself at eight or nine. And I think that's perfectly reasonable for what he brings to the team, both production and leadership wise. Where is Vancouver getting that cap from? I think is the thing. For sure. Um, and I look at their, 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 um, their draft picks for this year. They got a first, a second, a third, two fourths, one from themselves, one from uh, the Rangers and a sixth round pick. This is the deepest draft we've seen in a while. If I were them, why would you not send out Brock Besser, who's a high-end scoring winger, and maybe ship out Oliver Ekman, Larson, or someone who you're paying, and Luke Shen, these three guys who you're paying money to, Shen obviously making almost nothing, but the other two making significant money, and get a couple of first-round picks, right? Um, Or Andre Kuzmenko, why did you, like, trade him or if you're going to trade Bo Horvat get on with it like the trade deadline is going to approach soon trade him I mean if I were them I would try and acquire like four or five maybe six first round picks in this draft because you go 30 40 players deep and you are still finding guys who could end up as first line superstars yeah like this is a draft where like pull in Arizona trade away the entire roster if you have to 
Yeah. I mean, to get a shot at Connor Bedard, I mean, like tanking is not a thing in the NHL. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, players don't actively try and play poorly, but management certainly tries to ice a very bad roster. Um, that is true. Yeah. So, I mean, you have it's January right now. Lose as many games as you can. Trade as many players as you can. Lose as many games as you can. Let Rick Tockett build his own systems with his own roster. Let him be part of the decisions on who they sign in this rebuild. And that could be really successful. But uh, they, I don't know what they're doing. They're like in mediocrity land. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. That's not happening. So yeah. why not go, go all out and try and get one of Bedard, Fantilli, Michkov, Carlson, and, and some of the other guys in this draft? Yeah. I mean, to me, it seems like they're they're kind of like the squirrel in the middle of the road type thing where you you could make an argument that, yeah, especially with all those draft picks, load up, try and, you know, try and be a playoff team, you know. But then on the flip side, it's like, or you could fire sell everything. And you there's an argument to be made that they really could go either way, and yet they're not doing either of them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens at the deadline. I, I for one, am really excited for this year's deadline, especially with as quiet as it's been trade-wise. I feel like there just have been no trades in the NHL this season. No, it's all been quiet because I think, yeah. I think teams are still trying to hurdle the cap, and with it reportedly going up from anywhere to $1 million to uh, you know, $5 million, we're actually, we should talk about this in a little bit, potentially going down. People are nervous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be interesting if it goes down. I, I kind of, I sort of doubt that'll happen, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a far reach, but with the Bali sports thing. Yeah, it's, it's I scary. did see that. that um, so for those of you who don't know, um, Bally sports, which covers 12 or 13, somewhere 10 to 15 NHL teams. They cover a lot. And, yeah, they cover a lot. And I look to, it's mostly small market teams that they cover as well, uh, with the exceptions being like, I think St. Louis, I think Minnesota, if you, I don't know. Those are kind of, I don't know if I consider those small market teams or not. But anyways, um, yeah, they have filed for bankruptcy, uh, which is not good, obviously. Um, but the thing about that, and I, I'm not terribly worried about it because bankruptcy doesn't necessarily mean they're going out of business. Usually it just means they got to they gotta retool some things financially. So it's more so what happens in the next few weeks and months uh, following. But definitely not a good sign, that's for sure. Um, and we'll see what comes of that. Because, yeah, the Valley Sports deal is huge for the NHL. Um, but, yeah. It'll... Yeah, and if it goes sour, the players, since the cap can't actually drop under the CBA, I think what happens is the escrow goes up so the players owe more money yeah um and so that can then become an issue with the unions and salaries get cut and you're losing so much to escrow and guys who are making or should be making league minimum are getting slapped in the face with half of that and after tax even less yeah so or actually with tax probably just about half so um that's what's going on with canucks um, do you want to finish off with 
the uh, Oilers stuff? Yeah. So after all that uh, harsh news there, let's uh, we'll end the episode on a good one. Um, so yeah, last night, and of the time we're recording this, it is Sunday, January 29th. So we're talking about January 28th. Um, the Oilers e-bug i forget oh hold on i'm forgetting his name i'm blanking on it matt berlin i got matt you berlin. i got right. you with the save <laughs> and i have the audio here with me okay yeah um oh my sorry my, there we go uh yeah matt berlin was forced to come in and be an e-bug for the edmonton oilers he played what was it about two or three minutes towards the end of the game yeah about three minutes or so yeah three minutes made one save um which unfortunately does not credit him with a win. Uh, the way that that works, for any of you who don't know, is the goalie has to be in net while the game-winning goal is scored to get a win. So he doesn't officially get a win, but he gets a uh, 1.0 save percentage. Indeed. And uh, I have the audio here for uh, how that all happened. Well, like 4.30 p.m., I got a, he texted me again. It's a change of plans. You're actually backing up tonight. So then I'm actually sitting there doing homework, and my heart rate spikes. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? So then yeah, I was a bit of a whirlwind of a day getting reorganized, getting ready, getting down here. But it was unbelievable. Uh, everyone was so welcome when I came in, the players, staff, everybody. So it was unbelievable. What class were you doing homework for? Uh, I was studying for a psychology mid- <laughs> midterm on Monday. <laughs> you get an extension or anything? I don't know. I might have to ask. <laughs> but like 4.30 p.m., I- so obviously a pretty cool moment there for him studying for a psych midterm and then he's yeah. ebug. He 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 he's he's a um ebug already and um he was last year and so he goes into the game. Um he's at University of Alberta. Um and he's doing decently there. He's four oh and one, two point five seven goals against average, eight ninety two save percentage. He's played in the WHL and the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So uh, and apparently it was Mick David's idea him to go in so classy classy move yeah and like like he was saying that everyone was so welcoming to him that's what i honestly really love about hockey culture is just that kind of openness a lot of the times um you know it's not perfect everywhere but i i feel like gen generally that's the case and yeah. it's yeah it's just a very uplifting story happy for the guy um you know yeah yeah, um, the All-Star break is coming up shortly, so when that ends, we will be covering the All-Star game and the skills comp and, and all that fun stuff, all the cool moments from the media coverage oh, yes. then. Um, but right now, I don't know if you're feeling it, but the NHL feels silent. Feels like it, does. Like, it feels like the calm before the storm, like something's going to explode yeah, after the I All-Star mean, break. I don't know. I, I've been personally busy, so that plays into some of it, but I just have not watched NHL hockey in seemingly forever. I don't know why. When was the um, last time you watched a game? Ooh, um, let me see. It was a Hurricanes game. I want Obviously, because you're not obviously. watching any, I think you're a homer. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm also a hypocrite was... while I say that, so... <laughs> Ooh, uh, I really cannot remember. It might have been the Pittsburgh game on January 14th. That's a while ago. I no, 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 watch. No. It, it was after that. Maybe it was the Minnesota game on the 19th. It's nice. been a while, though. I try and yeah. watch most games because I got a projector in my room, which I think I've shown you. Yeah, um, I've seen it. I've seen it on your story and such. <laughs> yeah, so I just kind of project the game onto a wall or onto yeah. my ceiling, and then I go to bed. And uh, as I'm being a nod off 
um, there's a remote for the projector and, and my computer, so I just hit that off and then I yeah. I'm out out like a I, light. I actually have a confession to make. I saw that on your story and I copied you. I started doing the exact same thing. Yes, because I sir. realized because I was looking for so long because my my dorm room, you audio listeners can't see it, but like there's not really a great open wall exactly for me to it's hard because because you get you get like stuff in the way like benches shelves exactly whatever. yeah but then i saw your story and i was like oh shoot i can just put it on the the ceiling and so i did that and it worked perfectly and i've been doing that ever since i saw that on your story yeah, so I, just, I, I wanted to let you know that <laughs> I yeah stole your give idea. me credit <laughs> I, I want to tag every time you post your projector i want to tag oh i will um, i will Last night, the boys and I were watching uh, some Star Wars: The Clone Wars on the There's projector, no and some way. kicking it too. Yeah, we were we were hitting back the old Disney. I was plus I, okay. specials, eh? So this is gonna sound wild. I, this is gonna sound like I'm making this up at this point. I the first thing I watched uh, when I put my projector up on the ceiling was The Clone Wars as well. What I, a guy. I realized I realized I never went through season seven, so I went through it. Dude, that that is a season that made me cry. I, will I know the it last is... the last two episodes. Tales can we can too, we can great. we spoil it? Can we spoil it? Because it's no, been out for no. two years. We also like, yeah. Also, um, we're running short here on the Zoom time. We don't have that. Zoom that is true. We have one minute left. <laughs> have you ever heard us have a jarring outro? It's because we have no time. So I'm gonna say bye to you guys right now, so we don't get cut off. Peace. See ya. Enjoy. Oh, oh, oh.